What's up, everybody? How are you guys doing out there? And I'm gonna keep asking you that question because I have to keep asking myself that question. This is Corona Week 6 as we find ourselves hopefully settling in to some of the things that are being asked of us as a nation and as a community and as a body of believers. I really believe that God wants to work a work in us through this time. If you're like most people, you're looking out beyond the horizon at what's going on and how much longer and how should I spend my stimulus check and all those questions, really, really, really listen. I wanna encourage you. The more important question you should be asking yourself is Lord, what are you doing in me? What are you doing in my heart right now? What do you want me to learn? What do you want me to grow in? How do you want me to change? As a matter of fact, the last thing that I want from this virus, from this quarantine shelter in place, this challenge, the last thing I want is to get back to normal, right back to where we started, right back to where we began. I don't want that to happen. For if you're like me, then that time will have been for you a waste. It won't be what God intended it to be. It won't be the purpose that God puts you in this mess, but instead God wants to work in you. So I wanna encourage you as your pastor, as your friend, to keep letting God in deeper. Keep taking ground spiritually. Don't give up ground, don't fall backwards. And so here we are on Sunday morning, it's, it's April 19th and we're gathered together. And man, I just wanna encourage you, settle in to God's grace and his goodness and his purpose and his plan. And here's the best news you're gonna hear all day long all week long, all life long. It's not about you. It's about God and his plan and what he's doing. As a matter of fact, I was tripping out earlier this morning thinking about the sovereignty of God, this great theological premise, this idea that no matter what you feel, no matter what you think, no matter what happens, God is in control and he's causing all things to work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. No matter what and when you believe in and when you rest in and when you're founded in and you're growing in the sovereignty of God, every day is a good day. It's actually perfect. There's no thing that can be formed against you that will prosper. There's nothing that God can't redeem for good. There's nothing that God won't finish that he began. And so I want to encourage you guys, keep going. And I say that, and I'll be saying it the whole time we're together this morning, because you need to be encouraged daily. You need to keep growing. You need to keep connecting with the Lord. And I'm gonna say something right now from my heart to yours, from, from a pastor to the parishioners, to, to the people. This is a challenging time for, for pastors. We, we miss our sheep, we miss gathering. We, we wonder if we're doing enough. We wonder if we're reaching out enough. And these questions come through my mind and I just wanna answer that question right now for myself. The greater need than for you to connect with me or the church, and I love you guys and I can't wait to get back. The greater need, I just want you to take this and own it, the greater need is for you to connect with the senior pastor, Jesus Christ. That's the greater need. God is actually so interested in your hearts and in your lives, I'm gonna say this, that if the system that we know is church 2020 is getting in the way, God will remove it for a season in order to get your heart. I'm excited to get back together. I don't know when it's gonna happen, but that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is that you and I 
would return to our first love. In the book of Revelation, right around chapter two, there's a letter given to the church at Ephesus. And God looks at this church at Ephesus and he's so proud of them, he's so pumped on them. They're doing things, man. They're meeting in local coffee houses like Ultra Life here, man. And they got hoodies and they're doing, they're doing things. And they got cups to say, Jesus is real. But Jesus says, you know what, though? There is something, guys. You're successful. You actually have good standards and good theology. But I actually literally, specifically, I miss you. And I want you to return to your first love. I want you to remember from where you've fallen and repent and do the first works. And so can I just give you that, that first kind of encouragement and exhortation right now in week six? It's not about the future and when we're going to be back and able to meet and, and all of those things. It's not about that. It's really about your heart connecting with Jesus on a simpler level, on an intimate level. He loves you. Dare I say it this way, he misses you. If you're still too busy, if you haven't connected with him, become like a child. Return to your first childlike faith with him. One of the ways to do that is to continue reading his word, to stay in the book, reading through. And as you guys know, we're in the book of Matthew right now in our five by five reading program. I hope you have been doing that. I know for me with Easter and Good Friday and Palm Sunday and all the Holy Week activities and filming and and all of those activities that I kind of, man, I, I haven't been reading through our five by five program. So I want to encourage you to go to southbeachchurch.org and download the April reading program. If you missed April or March or February or January, they're all on there. You can take a look at them. Just start reading right where we're at. So here we are on the 19th of April, and that brings us to Matthew chapter 11. And guys, I want to encourage you. Maybe you haven't read Matthew 11 today. Maybe you have already read it, but read Matthew 11. And quickly, quickly, before we move into a time of worship, a time of seeking the Lord and really letting him touch your heart and move deeper in. In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus has commissioned his disciples to go out on their first mission trip. And as he's there with the people, John the baptizer's in prison, his older cousin, and he's been prophesying because God put it upon his heart. Prepare ye the way of the Lord, man. Make straight his paths. And John's in prison and he hears about a guy who's performing miracles. And John says, I wonder if this is it. I wonder if this is the Messiah. And right there at the very beginning, he sends John the baptizer, two of his own disciples, to Jesus. And they ask Jesus this question. Hey, Jesus, are you the one? Or should we look for another? (laughs) This is such a funny question. Like, are you the one or should we look for another? These guys are looking for the Messiah. They're looking for Mashiach, man, the Messiah. And so they go to Jesus. Are you it, bro? Jesus looks at him. He says, you go tell John that the blind see, that the lame walk, that the poor are enriched, that the encaptured are set free. You go tell John what you see, and they're like, oh, okay, okay. And so, and here's my application for me, because we go through days, is the Lord good, and should we wait for somebody else? And the Lord would encourage you and encourage me, just look around at his faithfulness. As I mentioned earlier, the sovereignty of God, the faithfulness of God. Focus on what he's already done, on how faithful he's already been. Now check this out as you read through Matthew 11. Matthew was written by Matthew, the tax collector who Jesus called, saved his life, changed him. And Matthew, this is important, 
Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are all written to different audiences. Matthew wrote his gospel primarily for his brethren, the Jewish believers. Because those guys were smarty pants, man. They were always looking for the Messiah. They were, they were looking, they were calculating things with kings and genealogies. And so Matthew wrote his epistle on purpose so that every Jew who would ever read the book of Matthew would conclude, that's the Messiah. That's the one we're looking for. Because in concluding that, as it goes on then in Matthew chapter 11 to end, Jesus then speaks and he shares about taking upon yourself the yoke of Christ. And he invites people in. He invites the people, the Jewish people in those days who were waiting for the Messiah, who were under Roman oppression. He invites them to come to him and to yoke up with him in order that they would find themselves alleviated. Listen, from all the burdens and fears and stresses and strives of life. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray now and we're going to go into a time of worship. This is a time where you get to come to Jesus and to yoke up with him. Maybe you're stressed out. Maybe you've been striving. Maybe things are difficult for you. Join the club. It's called the human race. And so the Lord, who is God, became a man that he might come down and to seek and to save that which was lost. The Bible says that he didn't come for the well, but he came for the sick, for you and for me. And so we're going to go into a time of worship, and I want you who are maybe life group leaders watching at home or however this is what watch party you're doing, turn up the music and worship the Lord. I know for me on these Sundays at home, these services online, I've been sitting with my family, worshiping, tears streaming, hands raised, worshiping with my kids. It's been such a joy to be home worshiping. And as much as I love the corporate gatherings and the big worship services, he's there, but he's also here with you right now. He's here, working in our midst. He's the way maker. He's the miracle worker. So I'm gonna pray a blessing right now on you in Jesus' name. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Father, in Jesus' name, it's Sunday, it's church. Lord, we're gathered here in our homes and some are alone and some are afar and some are separate, some are together. But Lord, the Bible says where you are, where worship rises, Lord, you inhabit those praises. When two or more are gathered in your name, you're right there in their midst. And so would you bless this time of worship? Would you make it more intimate now than ever before? Would you just explode upon our hearts and our spirits, Lord, with your goodness and your peace that we might find ourselves transformed and healed and delivered, Lord, from this world? Even as Jesus exhorted those disciples of John the baptizer, go tell him what you see. And may we now, Lord, who have seen you, be reminded of who you are, Lord, that you are our shepherd, our king, our savior, and you're doing a work right now in us, that you might do a work through us, and one day you'll come back for us. So bless us now, Lord, as we seek your face, soften our hearts as we give you our tongues, Lord, in worship, as we raise our hands, bow our knees, close our eyes. Would you be honored in this time? In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Glory falling in this place. 
Well, everyone, I hope you enjoyed that time of worship as we draw near to the Lord. And I believe during this time of testing, the Lord is looking at everything we do, every single thing we do, whether it's setting up at Ultra Life for a worship set and singing to Him and putting it in in the can and in post-production and hoping that you're blessed by it or what you just experienced at your house. The Lord's looking at you and right now the Lord's testing our hearts. Psalm chapter 11 says that God is in heaven and he sees the sons of men. And he's testing our hearts. He tests the righteous. And right now, counts. I can't wait for this time to be over and for things to get back to, you know, normalcy in that way where we don't have the restrictions. But I don't want you guys to waste this time. We had a staff meeting on Tuesday. And as we gathered there at the church in the parking lot, separated by six feet, and nobody hugged each other, and as hard as that was for Sarah Yardley. And so we didn't hug. And, but one of the things that came up there from Nancy, our secretary, she said, what God has given to us is a, a great pause. It's just a pause on the busyness of life. The things that maybe you wouldn't be able to set down normally have just been paused. And now if you're smart or wise, You'll set down the distractions of this life and, and say, Lord, are you testing me? Right now, are you testing me? Are you shaking me up? As, as a matter of fact, if you guys remember, six weeks ago, maybe seven weeks ago, if you do the math differently, we were in Revelation chapter 16. You guys remember that? Revelation 16, we've been going through Revelation now for oh, over half a year, and we got to chapter 16 in the book of Revelation, which we will get back to. Some people have been asking, when are we gonna finish Revelation? When are we gonna finish Revelation? We'll, go, we'll finish it. But in Revelation, John is on the island of Patmos. He's sheltering in place. He's been quarantined. And God wants to encourage him, so he gives him the revelation of Jesus Christ to encourage him to instruct the church and to warn the lost. And there's a prophecy of the future coming judgment on planet Earth. And God shakes up the world in order to wake up the world, in order to make up the kingdom, in order to take up his children to heaven one day. And we're kind of in a very similar situation. It's a mini rumbling, a birth pain, a shakeup right now that God is wanting to get our attention in order to wake us up and to take us up one day. And so I want to exhort you and encourage you right now, especially the body of Christ. I believe on YouTube and Facebook Live and our live streaming, we're reaching a greater audience, non-believers and people who are disenfranchised from the church. There's also people who are fired up, man. You're the saints. I want to encourage y'all right now, if you know the end of the story, you know what's going on, you have two things that make you very valuable during this time, okay? You have peace, because you don't have to freak out. You know what's going on, man. You don't have to freak out. You got peace. And you also have, in this time of testing, you have light. That is illumination, understanding, direction. And if you have peace, 
and light, that equals hope. Hope. And right now the world is looking for hope. They're looking for instruction. Now before the shakeup, before Corona and all of that, you still had peace and you still had light and you still had hope as a believer. But a lot of times people are just not interested in your message. They're not interested in what you have. They're not interested in watching your life and you're posting on Facebook about how happy you are and about the things going on in your life. Well, now we're all being tested. And I'm telling you what, Christians, now is the time more than ever to let your light so shine before men that they see your faith and your hope and your love. See, not many people are impressed by a Christian that has no test and no challenge and no struggle. They're just not impressed. It's like, whatever, dude. But when you're tested, challenged, and have struggles, and you maintain that peace, hope, and light, okay, the world says, you got something I want. You have something I need. It's been said before that Christians are kind of like tea bags. You don't really know what kind of tea they are until they're thrown into hot water. And so now we're being cooked up a little bit. And not everything that's come out of me has been perfect, I admit. But my hope and my foundation, my peace and my light, the hope that I have in Jesus is what I want to resonate out of me. So you who are believers watching right now, people are watching you. They're watching what you say on Facebook and how you navigate the same difficult waters we're all in. But you're different. You have hope. You have a life jacket, an eternal life jacket on. And I want us to just be bold, confident, and sure. One of the ways we do that is by studying God's word. And last week we were studying Mark chapter 16. It's the Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday story where Jesus rises from the dead and Mary Magdalene and them show up to the tomb and the message is given and it changes everything. If the tomb is empty, it changes everything. And so here we are a week later. And I could have gone back to Revelation 16. We'll get back there. But I asked myself this question in preparation. I said, Lord, what do you want us to study the week after Easter? And the Lord ministered to my heart and he said, why don't you study the week after Easter? The first week after Easter. And so take your Bibles now and open up to John chapter 20, verse 19. And that brings us to Easter Sunday night, Resurrection Sunday in the evening. And I want us to take for our time today a large portion of scripture. I'm gonna read fast and talk a lot. So if you need to hit pause in the playback, you can do that. Right now, while it's on live stream, you're just gonna have to, man, take some notes. But look at verse 19 of chapter 20 of the book of John. John 20, verse 19. It says, then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and he stood in the midst and he said to them, you dummies. That's not what it says. He stood in the midst of them and he said, peace be with you. Hopefully I caught you off guard there. Jesus would never say that. But there on Easter Sunday evening, as Jesus would show up, he could have said a number of things to his disciples. For you know that these are the same disciples that betrayed him, the same disciples that deserted him, the same disciples that denied him. And Jesus could have shut up and said, what are you guys doing? Have I not taught you anything for three years? Didn't I tell you to stay close to me and to watch and to pray? Jesus showed up. Please listen. And what he said to his disciples there on that Easter Sunday night, peace be with you. The agenda of heaven, the agenda of heaven is to give peace 
to God's kids, to bring peace to planet Earth, to bring peace to your heart. Right now, God wants to bring peace to the storm that rages within in your life right now. And so he shows up even in your mess and your mistake and your wreckage and your failure and your folly. He shows up and he says something crazy because look at the next verse. It says, verse 20, and when he had said this, peace be with you. Listen, listen, listen. He showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. You need to see the connection here. Peace with you. How can there be peace? Look at my hands. Look at my side. Look at my wounds. Look at what I went through. Listen, in order to pay for, and to now dump upon you, peace. <laughs> it's already been purchased. He bought it through his stripes. Matter of fact, let me read to you what the Bible says out of the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, verse 5. It says, but he was wounded for our transgression and he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. The agenda of heaven is to bring peace on earth. And the way that the peace is provided is through the chastisement of our Lord. These guys don't deserve it. They didn't earn it. They have no right to it. They actually blew it. Here's the best news you're going to hear all day. It's not about them. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about Jesus Christ and the finished work of the cross. He shows up with the atonement in his hands. Peace be with you. Easter Sunday night, and he offers it to them freely. And this is what God wants to do for you in your life right now. He wants you to receive that peace. We're all looking for peace, by the way. Every single one of us. You're looking for that inner peace, that position where nothing else can mess with you in that moment. This is why people go from relationship to relationship to relationship, from hobby to hobby, from job to job, from substance abuse to highs to lows to searching to traveling to all of these things in the world. And yet there's a hole in your soul that can only be filled by knowing that you're forgiven, knowing that you're cleansed, knowing that you're loved. And so Jesus on the cross cried out seven things. And the sixth thing he cried out, stay to lest I. It is finished. It is finished. What is finished? The peace. That what you're looking for. Here's the deal. Christian, non-believer, whoever you are, ask yourself, do I have peace right now? If the answer is no, I'm telling you where to find it. It's in Jesus and the whole prince in his hand. He shows up. He could have said a lot of different things. But he said, peace. And he showed them his hands and his eyes. And the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Verse 21. So Jesus said to them again, listen, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Stop right there. Eyes up here. And Jesus is getting after it. He shows up, dark time, it's late at night. First thing he says is peace, here's how I paid for it. Don't get it fooled, don't, don't trip out. I, I did it myself for you, don't get it twisted. And now he allows for you and me then to, listen, partner with him. Immediately, he commissions them. He says, as the Father sent me, so now I send you. And we talked about this last week. In Mark chapter 16, it says Jesus shows up at this exact same scene rebukes them for their unbelief. He says, guys, why didn't you believe? And then he forgives them immediately and commissions them. 
So he has to convict you for your unbelief. But then as soon as you find yourself looking at Jesus, he says, you ready to go? I've got a mission for you. I want you. This is the reason why you know me is to go in the same manner that I have been sent by my father. I'm sending you. And look at what he says in verse 22. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Stop right there. Eyes up here. I need you, especially who are tracking with me. You got a pulse. Anybody got a pulse? There it is. That's pretty high right now, but that's okay. I'm at a coffee house, so it's okay to have a high pulse at a coffee house. So here's the deal. God's sending you, but he's not just sending you as one who doesn't have the equipment. He breathed on his disciples then and gave to them the Holy Spirit. He's equipping you to actually do that which you cannot do to do that which he's called you to do. But it's not about you. Zechariah chapter four, verse six says, it's not by might nor by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. This is such good news. You see, I have chosen to follow the Lord and I've chosen to trust him to make the things that I attempt for him successful in spite of me. It's not, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about him. It's about the power of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter one, verse eight, Jesus was that you're gonna be my witnesses when you receive power from the Holy Spirit, that it's not about you. Matter of fact, a couple days ago, I think it was Tuesday, I was in Beverly Beach talking with our bookkeeper, April, and I brought my son over to her house and he was mowing her lawn and we were just chatting there and the kids were playing. And we began talking about kind of qualifications for ministry and being a pastor and, and, all, and all the rest. And I began to say to her, I was like, you know what? I wish I had a degree. I wish I would have went to college. I wish I had a piece of paper for, for the sake of education, but I don't. I don't have any of that stuff. But you know what I do have? The same thing you have. I have the Holy Spirit. I have the commission of God. I have the equipment. I have the covering. I've been paid. My tuition's been paid for by the blood of the lamb. And that's the best news you're gonna hear all day. And so right now, you're sent. You're sent to your spouse. You're sent to your kids. You're sent to your neighbors. You're sent to the people around you. The church can't gather corporately like it is, but the church instead has been dispersed into individual homes and locations. And you are the church and you are equipped. It's been paid for. This is the good news. Jesus shows up. And he delivers this message to them then that we would study it now, 2,000 years later. I say, thank you, Jesus, that his kindness and benevolence was displayed to that group then, that the spirit was given to cover them and to equip them. Listen to the message, verse 23. He says, if you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven them. And if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now, what Jesus is saying to these boys, here's the spirit, I'm sending you. Here's the payment. Here's the message. You go tell every single person in the world that they can be forgiven. And if they believe you that they're forgiven, guess what happens next? They're forgiven. <laughs> and if they don't believe that they can be forgiven, they're not forgiven. What? People talk about the unpardonable sin the one sin that's unforgivable. Did you know that the one sin, the unpardonable sin, the sin that if you commit, you're not forgiven? Do you, you know what that sin is? It's the sin of being unforgiven. Not receiving forgiveness for all of your sins, every single sin you could ever commit. If you choose to not receive the forgiveness of Christ for your sins past, your sins present, and your sins future, if you re refuse to receive that gift of forgiveness, that sin 
of rebellion, stiff neck, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, leaves you unforgiven. The simple message of Jesus Christ is, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. It is finished. Jesus was asked one time in John chapter 5, verse 39, what must we do to do the works of God? Pharisees asked him that question. What do we got to do, man? And so Jesus said, you know what you got to do? I'll tell you right now. The work of God is to believe in him who he sent. <laughs> That's profound. The work, the work, the returned work, the beginning work, the foundational work is to believe in Jesus, that you're forgiven. This changes everything. It changes the way you live with your spouse, your kids, your roommates, your coworkers. If you believe that Jesus forgives people, forgiven. You'll live in peace and harmony, in joy and love, because you can forgive even freely as you've been forgiven. This is the message of the church, by the way. Okay, a lot of people want the church to clean things up and make things right. Forgiveness starts and ends with forgiveness. You see, the Bible says that when the grace of God that has appeared to all men is given to you and me, it teaches us to deny ungodliness and worldly lust. This is Titus chapter 2, verse 11. When I remember that I'm forgiven, when I come to the table of communion and remember that I'm forgiven, it draws me to a deeper relationship with Jesus. You know what your kids need to know from you, mom and dad, tonight? That they're forgiven. They're loved. You know what your husband, your wife needs to know tonight? That they're forgiven. They're forgiven. This is the message Jesus brings to them. He just got crucified by the Romans, man. He got deserted by his best friends. He could have showed up if he wanted to with a whole different agenda. Like, all right, we're going to war. We're going to take some people out now. And I wouldn't have even blamed him. I would have been bowed it. I would have been like, let's go. That's not the message. The message of heaven is forgiveness. Check this out, though. I want you guys to check this out with me. Verse 24. Now Thomas called the twin. You know why they called him the twin? Probably because he had a twin. I don't know. But it says right there. He called the twin. One of the 12 was not with them when Jesus came. Stop right there. They just called Thomas out, man. He's known as Doubting Thomas. But not only is he Doubting Thomas, he's skipping church Thomas, man. Where you at, Tommy boy? Why isn't he here? We don't know where he's at. But I just want to make this application. Jesus showed up to the gathering. Hebrews 10, 25 says, as the days get darker, don't gather less. Gather more. Okay, gather more. And at this particular night, Thomas isn't there. Where's he at? I don't know. All I know is this. He missed when Jesus showed up. And can I just put it out there for you and for me? If you have excuses in your life right now, I don't hear from Jesus. He hasn't shown up in my life in a while. I haven't been able to see him. I just ask a few questions to people who say things like that, my, myself included. I say, well, have you been gathering? Have you been pressing in? Have you been doing your devos and your journaling and your worshiping? Because if you haven't been pressing in or gathering or doing your devos or journaling and you wonder where Jesus is, man, it's not his fault. It's, it's your fault. Can you, have you ever talked to your friends on a Sunday afternoon and they say, oh, church was so good. And you're like, oh, I slept in. I missed it. I guess I should probably go to the 6 p.m. You know what I mean? Where was Tom? Tom is, I don't know where he was at. Check this out, though. Look at the response of the disciples. Verse 25, these guys are such good bros. 
The other disciples therefore said to him, we've seen the Lord. They go to Tommy boy and they tell him, dude, Jesus showed up. You should have been there, but it was awesome. And they relayed the message. And so he said to them, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my fingers into the print of the nails. That's pretty gnarly, actually. And put my hand into his side. I will not believe. Now, this is crazy, in my opinion. He's got 10 friends. Okay, 10 disciples are left with Thomas. That's 11. Judas is gone now. And his 10 bros come up to him. They're like, dude, Jesus, he was there. He was there. He was there. And they're freaking out. And he's like, I don't believe you. You think we're lying to you, Thomas? I don't believe you. Unless I put my fingers in his nail holes and my hand in his side and reach in the cavity of his lungs, I don't believe you. It's like, come on, Thomas, you calm down. I know you had a bad day, but sheesh. This is how it is, though. This is how it is. See, I've got friends in my life right now that I love dearly. I've seen Jesus. I've seen him. I've spent time. He's changed my life. And I go to them and I tell them about Jesus. And they're like, I don't believe you. What do you mean you don't believe me? And, and, and I get it. If Thomas then looked at his 10 bros in that time and rejected their word, then it gives me compassion for those who don't yet see, those who haven't engaged in the forgiveness of Jesus through the nail prints in the side. And here's what I would just say. If you haven't seen Jesus yet, you're like Thomas, okay? Maybe you're his twin. You're just like him. You need to see it yourself. Okay, and I get it. I honor you in that. Can I just say something though? Jesus loves you so much. We see it shown in this story here. Look at verse 26. It says, and after eight days, his disciples were again inside. Eight days later from a Sunday, if you count Sunday to the next Sunday is eight days. It'd be the next Sunday. It says that they were inside and Thomas was with them. Jesus came and the doors being shut and he stood in the midst of them and said, peace to you. Same thing. Notice the doors are shut. Jesus is just walking through walls, man. They're on quarantine. They're on lockdown, keeping everybody out. You can't quarantine Jesus. You know that? Paul said in his last book he ever wrote, 2 Timothy, before they cut his head off and he went to heaven. He said, I am chained, but the gospel's not chained. And the good news of Jesus Christ, the presence of God, is not limited to coronavirus or quarantine or lockdown. The doors are shut and Jesus shows right up. And that's good news for you who feel shut in right now. You feel like, I, I, you know, what's going on? I feel so isolated. You're not. Jesus is right there. It's good news for you. Call upon him. He'll be right there in your midst. I promise you. Press into him. Ask him to touch your heart right now. Now, here's the warning. It's good news for those who are on lockdown and want Jesus. It's bad news for those who are shutting doors and on lockdown and don't want Jesus. Did you know you can't God-proof your life? Jesus will just walk through that door. He'll just come in because he loves you. He's not going to let you just walk away and waste your life. As a matter of fact, I'll tell a quick story. We were sitting here at Ultra Life, setting up earlier, and, and, and a guy walked by who, who I knew needed an encouragement. And Troy Hart's here. He's on site with us filming. And I said, hey, Troy Hart, I think that's so-and-so walking there. Maybe he needs an encouragement. And Troy Hart, man, he just took off running to go love on somebody. I just thought that's so like the Lord. No matter what you're doing, no matter where you're at, no matter how locked in you are and you're trying to hide from God, he loves you and he will walk 
through doors. He will climb any mountain. He'll tear down lies coming after you. It's a, it's a love that doesn't stop. Jesus loves us so much. And he comes in and he says, peace is the same word. Look at verse 27. This is nuts. Then he said to Thomas, uh-oh, <laughs> reach your finger here. Look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but be believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you've seen me and have believed, You've believed because you see me. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. A couple thoughts before we keep moving into the next chapter quickly. Jesus shows up to church. Can you imagine Thomas? He's like, oh, you know, hopefully, hopefully Jesus doesn't make eye contact with me. And he goes right to time. Have you ever been to church before and the pastor's talking or maybe it's a devotional or you're listening to K-Love or Winds of Praise and, and all of a sudden you're just like, dude, why are they talking right to me? Why is it, how is this talking right to me? Because if you show up in your devotional or your journaling or your Bible reading or church or gathering or prayer, the Lord is going to minister to you exactly what you need to hear. See, Jesus, eight days earlier here, heard Thomas complaining. He heard Thomas's request. I need to see it for myself. So what Jesus said, all right, I will do that for you. Guys, as I was putting this together and thinking it through, the sovereignty of God and the humility of God and the great love of God, the shepherding of God. Here, right after the resurrection, eight days later, he's still doing business. Listen, one at a time. Because Jesus said of himself that the good shepherd would leave the 99 who are perfectly fine, they're tucked away, they're safe, and he would go after the one who's all messed up, the one who's upside down, the one who's far from the fold, the one who's being picked off by the enemy. Jesus said, I will roll up my sleeves and go find that one and fight for him, fight for you, fight for her. Know this, the Lord loves and he pursues and he's hopefully speaking to you right now, right where you're at. You're like Thomas, you're a doubter and you're, you don't know what's going on. You got questions and the Lord says, I love you, reach in. And then he rebukes him and he gives him this command. I want you guys to pay attention to this, okay? This is so important because a lot of people struggle with faith and belief. Jesus gives us the answer right here. You know what he says to, to Thomas in his doubting? Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Some people struggle like, how many steps? Is it at 12 steps? Is it six steps? You know, what's the principle of spiritual laws? Be believing. Did you see what Jesus says? Do not be unbelieving. Be believing. That's it. And it's so simple because it's not about you. You see, your faith is not measured in how strong your faith is, how big. Your faith is measured in where it is invested into. Even if you have a little bit of faith in a big God, that's enough. Your little bit of faith. Don't be unbelieving, but be believing. Now in verse 29, after Thomas repents and says, Lord, my God, my Savior, and I don't want to go down that rabbit trail. For me, Jesus is God. It's, it's settled. It's simple. He is a deity. And here Thomas worships him, my Lord and my God. You know what Jesus says? That's right. That's right. If he wasn't God, he would have corrected Thomas at this point. He said, whoa, 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 whoa. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm just the son of God or I'm just a prophet of God, like Muhammad teaches and 
like our Mormon friends teach. But instead he said, I received that, Thomas. You're absolutely right. I am indeed God. And then he goes on and he says this, Thomas, verse 29, because you've seen me and have believed, that's why you've believed, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Stop right there and eyes up here. Jesus is now looking beyond the 11 and beyond Tom and he's looking to you and to me. We weren't there. Can you imagine being there? It'd be so sick. It'd be so dope. We weren't there. We're here. We're, I'm in, I live in Lincoln County. I don't know where you live. I'm here. It's 2020. And guess what? The Bible says that if I believe, okay, I'm even more blessed than Thomas because I haven't seen Jesus. I haven't seen his hands. I haven't felt his side. Jesus said something profound in his ministry. He said, those who come after would do greater miracles than I'm doing. Jesus did some pretty significant miracles. Walked on water, raised the dead, healed the blind. Miracles which I've not done. And yet he said, I would do greater works. You know what the greater work is that I believe he was speaking of? Salvation. Salvation through belief. Jesus said, hey, Thomas, I'm glad you believe in me. It's pretty cool, man. You can take your fingers out of my side now. It's enough, you know. It's enough for both of us. Stop it. And then Jesus said, you know what's even crazier? Who's even more blessed? People who get saved, who, who don't get this privilege of seeing me face to face. Jesus is so impressed. If you're a believer, I'm a, I freak out every time I gather with a group of Christians and we start praying. I'm like, why am I in this circle? Lord, I'm such a hooligan. I'm such a knucklehead. Lord, you've given me faith. I can't believe I'm saved. Just that. I'm just saved. It's a straight up miracle that I'm saved. And if you're saved, it's a straight up miracle. The greatest miracle that could ever happen. See, unfortunately, even signs and wonders won't bring salvation. That's, that's not... Salvation is the greatest miracle that one could ever receive. He goes on. I want you guys to see this before we're done today. And truly, verse 30, John ends his letter. He ends his letter. It's over in chapter 20. You guys see chapter 21 is right there in front of you, but he ends it. See how he ends it? And truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. End of the book. Except he gives chapter 21, which is a whole other portion of scripture in order that we might have an addendum, a, a dialogue that comes afterward, an epilogue. And he ends, though, his first part of this book saying, guys, I wrote what I wrote. So that way you might believe. The whole primary purpose of John's epistle is so you and I would become believers. So we would believe in Jesus. So we would know that we know that we know. Our knower would know that Jesus is real, just like this mug says. And you check it out. I'm going to end today's thoughts on chapter 21. Because it's as if John puts down his pen and sets aside his paper and says, ah. And his eyes open up. He says, you know what? There's that one story. I gotta tell that one story. There's just one story. Because now we have the, the resurrection of Jesus and eight days later. But did you know that Jesus was on planet Earth for 40 days? And during that time, something important happened. And what happened is that Peter found himself being restored and commissioned to become the apostle Peter. And I think this is important because as the history books would unfold, People would look at Peter and say, wait, wasn't Peter the denier? 
Wasn't Peter the betrayer? Wasn't Peter the deserter? What happened to him? And what we see in chapter 21 is the restoration of Peter. I'm going to read it quickly, not all of it, just the first couple verses. And I want you to check this out with me because maybe you're like me. You believe. You've seen Jesus. He's risen from the dead. You know it. You've fellowship with him. You've broken bread. And yet sometimes you question your own ministry or validity. You question your own motives. You question your own worth. And you got to understand it's not about you. It's about Jesus. Look at this. Verse one. It says 20. It says, after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and in this way he showed himself. This is now not in Jerusalem where the resurrection happened, but up north in Galilee. Verse 2 says, Simon Peter, Thomas called a twin. Here's Tommy Boy's back here. Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. And Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. And they said to him, we are going fishing with you also. And they went out and immediately got into the boat and that night they caught nothing. Now in the Greek, when it says nothing, it means nothing. <laughs> Zilch, zero, zippo. I don't did the math right here. Here's Peter and Thomas. There's like seven guys in this boat. Okay. They're now going fishing and all, not even a nibble. I like how the disciples are mentioned here by name. Except there are two, and two other disciples with no name. Like, I don't know why John didn't give us their name. Unless it was possibly one was you and one was me. They're in the boat. Jesus had given the disciples specific instruction in Galilee, and fishing was not on the instruction for the day. He said to go wait for me, guys. I'll be right there. And yet I believe Peter, looking at his own past failures, now with the disciples, said, you know what, guys? I just don't think I'm cut out for this. I honestly don't think I'm cut. I'm just, I'm, a, I'm no good. I've blown it. I've made mistakes. I've dropped the ball. I've come up short. You know what I can do? I can take care of myself. I'm a fisherman. And he went fishing. And unfortunately, his influence was seen negatively in this scene. All these other guys go fishing with him. So they go fishing all night. And the Lord allows them that night, listen, to catch nothing. He allows them to find themselves failing in their efforts to sustain their own self-interest. And I don't know about you, but I have found in my own life, when I try and do it my way, when I try and go about my business and not the Lord's business, I always have empty nets. I find myself coming up short. I find myself coming up with zero. And the Lord allows me to go down these pathways then I remember back in 1997, I had this desire to go to college. I wanted to wrestle in college, and I prayed about it, and, and I sensed that the Lord wasn't in it. And yet I found a way to make it happen. You ever find a way to make it happen even though you know the Lord's not in it? Oh, man, that'll cost you more than you're willing to pay and take you further than you're willing to go and keep you longer than you're willing to stay. And unfortunately, when we do it our way, we come up with nothing. We come up empty. We come up with zero. Well, Peter did this with the boys, and it says that they went out at night. Usually when I find myself walking away from the Lord, it's a dark season. It's not a bright time in my life. It's a time where things aren't perfectly lit, and I start making poor decisions. And maybe right now, here we are, quarantine, week six. You're a Christian. You've been saved. You've seen Jesus, but you're doing it your way. We learn from Peter. We learn from the boys. 
And it says, look at verse four. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Jesus is lurking once again. First he came in through a door unannounced and wait, made sure that he was found by Thomas. And now they're out here working hard, trying to make it their own way. And Jesus is lurking on the shore, yet they don't know it. Guys, this is good news. There are people here right now watching, and the Lord is right there in your midst. If you look for him, as the sun begins to rise in the horizon of your spirit, look for Jesus. He's right there as we see in this story. It says in verse 5, Then Jesus said to them, Hey, dummies! Hey, quitters! Hey, bozos! No, he doesn't say any of that. He says, hey, children, have you any food? In other words, how's the fishing going? You guys got any fish yet? It's an honest question, but you guys know that if you ask a fisherman how the fishing's going, they usually don't give honest answers. Usually they say, oh, there was a big one about this big that got away, you know, and they got these, you know, fish stories. We call them fish stories. This might even be the real miracle in this story. Look at their answer, verse five. And they answered him, no. <laughs> now, let me just make sure you understand what's happening here. Jesus asked them, hey, guys, how's it going? You got any food? <laughs> and Jesus is, you know, laughing because he knows they don't have any food. You think Jesus, like, literally was like, I just don't know. No, he knows that it's not working. And yet he wanted them to know that it wasn't working. And so these fishermen say, nah, bro, we got no food. We worked all night long, fishing, 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 fishing. And Jesus, the, the first miracle there is that Jesus disallowed any of the fish that were in the Sea of Galilee to go into their nets. He looked at those fish and said, do not get in that net. I got a plan. And the second miracle is that these guys were honest and said, no, no fish. And Jesus here, searching their hearts, and he'll do the same with you because he wants your nowhere to come alive and he wants you to discover what he already knows. How's that going for you? Do, do, do you... Is that filling you, this, this hobby, this vice, this decision you've made? And I've been counseling with people long enough, and I've actually been making decisions myself long enough to know, man, if you don't do it the Lord's way, it's just not the right way. Jesus asks them this question. You guys have any fish? And they say, no. Look at verse 6. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. Stop right there, eyes up here. This boat was probably about four feet wide. Okay? And I guarantee you, seven fishermen, they've been casting right, casting left. They've been casting all over the place. Man, these guys were fishermen. They didn't, they didn't not know how to fish. They did not know how to make this work. And Jesus is like, try the right side. Oh, yeah, the right side. That's right. Yeah, yeah, the right side, Thomas, you dummy. You know, it's rather. And yet this has happened before. And let me just remind you that whatever Jesus says, okay, is the right side. Whatever Jesus says to you is the right way. And so Jesus says, try the right side. They could have argued, well, we've already tried the right side. And, you know, scientifically speaking, Jesus, the fish don't really know what side of the boat we're on. It doesn't, there's no fish, man. That could have been the argument. And I want to say something to you right now who have been trying it your way. And yet you're going to hear the Lord even today say, try it my way. Try it my way. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And when the Lord speaks to your heart and begins to guide and direct your life, Everything changes in a, min, in, a, in a moment. Everything changes in an instant. 
God is able to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. Miraculous power. The first miracle was that God kept the fish away. And now they do this, what Jesus said, they cast their net on the right side. It says they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Now stop right there and just imagine this miracle with me. Okay, there's so many fish. Jesus forced the fish into the net in order to illustrate a point. Number one, and I think this is super important, that Jesus loves them. Even though they're rebelling, even though they're doing it their own way, they're making mistakes, Jesus loves them and he wants to care for them. <laughs> this is so cool. Matter of fact, before I left the house and came here to Ultra Life to, to film this, and I, I looked at my wife and said, honey, would you pray for me? I just, man, I've just been studying all day and I, I need to pray for me. And as she began to pray, my wife was praying for me and, and my son Nemo came in and he gave me a hug and we were praying there. And as my wife was praying a blessing over this teaching time and worship and the Lord began to remind me okay, that, that it's not about me and my nets and what I can bring. It has little to do, if anything, with me. But it's all about Him. Because I get a complex sometimes, and maybe you do too, that, that I need to bring more. I need to do things. I need to take care of myself. And the Lord says, you'll never be enough, Luke. You'll never be enough. The church will never be enough apart from me. But through me, I can take five loaves and two fish and feed thousands. I can take the blood of my son and save trillions. I can save every single person. I, I, it's not about you, but it's about walking in tandem with Jesus Christ. And I began to sense as my wife prayed for me, oh, oh Lord, you're so good. Thank you. And it's not about me. And I came here to cast my net on the right side. They began to draw the fish up and the net was so strong. Look at verse seven. It says, therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, which was an SBC hoodie. I'm almost convinced for he had removed it and he plunged into the sea. But the other disciples, they came in the little boat, but they were not far from land, about 200 cubits dragging the net with them. And as soon as they had come to the land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid on it and bread, fish and chips, man. Check this out. And then Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have just caught. I'm gonna end with that version, these thoughts. Simon Peter realizes it's the Lord. And so he grabs his stuff, puts it back on, and he jumps in the water and swims to shore. The other guys, they, man, they have to row with the fish and all that. Simon Peter wasn't gonna leave anything in that boat because he was done. He tried to run from the Lord once, okay? He tried to get away. And it didn't work. And so now Peter's realizing, I just got to stay next to the Lord. I can't go back anymore. And maybe you've been leaving a little bit of stuff in your past. There's a little, you know, phone number here and a little friendship there and a little stash over here of your past. Okay? Don't leave anything in the past. Move forward. Get all your stuff. Move forward. No quarter. Peter shows us this. And then he swims to the shore. And the second thing I want you guys to consider before we end our time here this morning is that as they got to the shore, there's Jesus. He's got a fire going. Peter would be cold. He'd been in the water. He got, Jesus is going to warm him up. And then Jesus already has fish and bread ready to eat. No matter how hard you look in this world for things to satisfy your soul, you will never find what the Lord has already provided for you to fill you right now. He's already got it for you on the shore 
And I don't know, know about you, but I like fish and I like catching fish and I'm not sure if I like cleaning fish. Actually, no, I don't like cleaning fish. And, you know, but I like eating fish. Eating fish is cool. <laughs> and Jesus says, just come on, man, show up. And I got the fish right here. It's already done. Right now, the Lord wants to bless you. You don't even deserve it. Peter didn't deserve this. Thomas didn't deserve this. Nobody deserves any of this. It's not about you. This message of forgiveness, this message of commission, this message of power, this message of peace, all are gifts from Jesus. And here, as we continue moving forward in this time of quarantine and, and man, all that, it's not about any of this. It's about Jesus Christ. So I want to give you a chance right now to pray with me as we close the service out. To say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for going my own way, for trying it myself, Lord, for running away from you, for going back to my old life. I want to simply trust in you. So would you bow your heads and close your eyes as we pray. Father, in Jesus' name, would you do a simple work, a profound work, a deep work in us, Lord, in those areas where we've become rebels and we've gone back, Lord, to the things of this world or trusting in ourselves, would you forgive us right now? As a matter of fact, if you're here, you're listening, you're a Christian or a non-Christian, whatever the case is, if you've gone back to the things of this world, you're just kind of being a weirdo. Jesus is right there. He's calling you. He's offered you peace. But man, you won't believe until something else happens. Whatever the case is, if, if you need to repent this morning, in Jesus' name right now, say, Lord, I want to get back to the beach with you where the fire is. I want to be warm next to you. I want to be fed. I want to be taken care of. Would you right now just raise up your hand? Just raise it up a little. Raise it up a lot. Just between you and Jesus. I can't see you, obviously. So this is between you and the Lord. I just want to be near you, Lord. Raise up your hand and the Lord will do a work in your life. Lord, would you do that? Look at the hands that are up right now, Jesus. Look at the lives. In Jesus' name, would you begin to stoke a fire? Would you begin to give instruction right now? The Lord gave simple instruction. He asked the question first. How's it going? Not, not good? Okay, cool. Yeah, I can see that. Try, try, try it my way. <laughs> Lord, you begin to give instruction right now. For those men and women have their hands up. Show them what the way of Jesus is and provide for them. You can put your hands down. And Lord, we thank you that even as they came to the beach, you're so generous. You said, you know what, guys? Bring, bring some of your fish too. Or actually my fish. I'm the one who told you what to do. But I want to partner with you. I want to partner with you. I want to team up with you. And so, Jesus, would you do that here in Lincoln County at South Beach Church? We're so thankful for your love for us, Lord. And whatever you're doing right now in our hearts, we give you full access to come punching through the doors like the Kool-Aid guy, Lord, just ah, coming through and do what you've got to do in our lives. We thank you for all you've done and all you're doing, Lord. Would you continue, Lord, to protect us from the coronavirus? In Jesus' name, Lord, our county has been protected, and we ask in Jesus' name for continued protection. Protect our first responders, Lord, our hospitals. We ask, Lord, that the bans would be lifted soon, Lord, that the virus would die off in Jesus' name. And we ask, Lord, that you would do a continued work in our nation, Lord, in our government, in our homes, our churches. Lord, search our hearts. Thank you for all you've done. We plead the blood with thanksgiving. In Jesus' name, we pray. And everybody said, amen and amen. God bless you guys. Hey, check this out. I want you to share this post over and over. I want you to write in the hashtag in this together in the comment section. Take a picture of yourself, a selfie with your par uh, the people you're watching with and let us know where you're at and what's going on. Also, let us know your prayer request. We've been doing drive-through prayer at South Beach Church on nice days, Thursdays from 11 to 1 when the sun is out and we've been out there praying for people as they come through. You can email your prayer request to southbeachchurch at gmail.com and you can go to South southbeachchurch.org and find out about all those things that are happening online and how to give and all those things are there. 
Guys, there's CR Zoom meetings on Tuesdays at 6.45. And the main thing, though, as we close with this idea, is that you would connect with Jesus. He's making a fire for you. It's really about that. He wants access to your hearts. So we're praying for you, church. Looking forward to when we get back together, praying that God does a work in us in the meantime. That way he does a work through us until we see him face to face. God bless you guys. We will see you just as soon as we can. 